0: It's that time. Got another soccer dad pod here for you. Gonna slow roll this intro here. Zach? You cool with that?
1: I'm totally cool with that.
0: How do you like the vibe of this one?
1: It fits my mood.
0: <laughs> well
1: that could go either way. Well it sounds like it sounds like something I'd listen to driving through you the desert. Like
0: That's pretty close. You know, just kind of... We're here. Let's listen to the vocals a little bit. You know who that is? He, uh, last... First album was River. Mm -mm. Leon Bridges. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is his mashup with Krungbin, the one that's spelled all weird. K-H-R-U-A-N, blah, 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 blah. Sure, yeah. Uh, Name of the song is Texas Sun. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, right there. Yeah, right on cue. That's good. Uh, played this today because I was lis- listening to it in the car. Actually, on the ride up here, uh, to drop back it off, um, at practice, and walked out to the car. And you know how in the summertime it's like you can see the heat. Uh, yeah. You look down the street yep. and you're like, it's hot. You don't even need to feel it. You just look at it and you're like, it's hot.
1: Yeah, and I can I can see it and i can feel it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so i was like Texas sun. Yeah, no, like the vibe, you know, it feels like the Texas sun on us right now. Yeah. Um we're back. We're back for another episode. Um this is going to be a fun one because we're we're pulling it back into the 314 with the guest today. Um had just an absolutely incredible run uh at the high school level, uh at a local powerhouse in the early 90s, late 80s, uh, played college ball, and has proceeded to up the ante, and now he's uh, head coach of a large program here in the area as well, and we'll get into those details in a little bit. Um, but as a recap, uh, the last episode had a little-known name, little-known player by the name of DeMarcus Beasley. Um, you know, n- not a lot to say about it other than, damn. Damn you know Damn. Um, there's a there's a friend from Granite uh, his name's Aaron Reeves usually about every three or four episodes he might throw out a comment like oh, that, you know that was good that was bad why don't you talk to this person etc and an, uh, uh, we put that episode out and his comment was who's next Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> yes I see. I see <laughs> uh, no he's a little more expensive uh, yeah I, I, I don't know if uh,
1: the Saudi Arabian league would allow him to talk to us either, you know.
0: Well, that, w- that would make it a little bit difficult. But, yeah. uh, you know, in an episode in which he talks about 126 national team caps, four gold cups, four world cups, pride of playing with his brother, early days of MLS with Chicago Fire, car bombings in Scotland on his car, um, uh, Clint's been telling him, well, you know what, you probably weren't good enough, you know, in <laughs> reference to his German days. Uh, Just phenomenal episode, top to bottom. A lot of stuff that, uh, you know, myself, I've only heard for the first time. Uh, Go check it out because it's just one of those that if you are a soccer fan, um, he's a Hall of Famer and he deserves the attention. But beyond that, if you're a soccer parent, it's just more insight as to what some of these individuals go through, the process, what they focus on. Um, It's just good insight.
1: And I think what was really cool for me was to hear, you know, um, a a guest carpool co-host in Greg Drozda talk about the maturation of him as a a man. Yeah. And not just as a player, you know, moving from left wing to left back, which is always challenging, but just how to figure out how to manage your personal life, manage your Finances, manage your attitude, manage your fitness, your diet, all those things that we think about, but we don't really, really think about it. And for him to come out and be like, yeah, I had to. Well, I really was, had to focus and, and knuckle down or else it would have been a short career.
0: Well, and the thing that stood out to me in talking about the move to left back, which most people are like, why does that really matter? Um, think about it in simplistic terms. You know, so many times our kids, they, um, you know, when they come off the field or after a game or whatever, if they are asked to play another position at the ripe old age of 12 or 13... They're like, well, I'm not a striker. I don't play defense. And, you know, and here's a guy that the, you know, top class, world class player who's told we need you to play left back. And then without being told, if you don't, your career might be over. He understood that, yeah, you know, and made that sacrifice for his career. You know, and, and, you know, again, I think about parents and kids that are kind of like veruca salts of the world you know i only play the left wing yeah i don't play the right wing and it's just it's, there's a lot to be gleaned from um a couple other topics before we introduce our guest today um one thing i owe i think i owe you an apology zach um on a on two fronts okay well, one front in particular, and the other one I just need to make fun of myself a little bit. Uh, let's start with the making fun of myself, and you actually sure. pointed that out as you walked in tonight. Um, we're down here at Urban Chestnut, one of our favorite places in Midtown, and I walked in and Tosh was behind the bar, friend, um, ex-employee of mine over at Gaslight, in fact, Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I need something different, and I said, what's that pink stuff you've got? <laughs> <laughs> And she walked me through it, and they have two. They've got the grapefruit radler, yeah, which is pinkish, and then they have the prickly pear sour kudam, mm-hmm. which is also pink, pink, and I'm like yeah. almost city red. Close needs a little <laughs> bit more of that uh, cyan nine two seven in it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and they poured it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And then my in my head, I'm like, if I set this thing down on the table and these guys walk in, they're going to flat out make fun of me. And you, you looked at me like, what are you doing? And that's what I'm doing, trying something new. I love and, I, it. and I'm telling this story because I'm encouraging people, come down here. It's that Texas sun weather time. <laughs> Drink something cold, refreshing, maybe with a little color in it. Uh, but the thing I need to apologize to you for, um, pickleball. Ah. Um, you know how I felt about it? Uh-huh. It's basically like fat man tennis. Yep. Um, reserved for seniors that can only sure. run half of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday out at Innsbruck, we went out there for a little bit, kill some time, clean mm-hmm. up, you know, kids were at the pool and we were out at the pickleball courts. Kim's like, you just play. I'm like, fine, whatever. And when I swung the paddle for the first time and hit the ball, immediately it was like, you know those movies where somebody takes a pill or <laughs> something and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> a thousand years of memories flashing through their head yeah. and they clarity? Yep, It's not anything like tennis. It's no. actually physical ping, ping pong. pong. Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's,
1: it's a, a, a physical, more exerted version of ping pong.
0: It is. Yeah. So therefore, it is now on my good list. Good. I will not make fun of pickleball anymore because it is, it is not in the realm of tennis. It is so definitely a, you're a game of ping
1: pong. What we're, you're saying is we're going to do a, a Soccer Dad Pod pickleball tournament at I don't know ID, about that. IBK. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's a great idea. I love that idea.
0: Depends. What I love is watch people playing pickleball, and my wife was one of these people. Like, my backhand sucks. Well, you're swinging like it's you're a left-handed baseball. It's not player. as much wrist as you think. No, it's ping pong. Yep. Just keep it flat. That's right.
1: So, uh, no, no I, I, I appreciate the apology, and I think it is. It's the fastest-growing <laughs> sport in the U.S for a variety of reasons and uh, I'm excited. I I can't wait to
0: get back out and play. So two for two today. I'm drinking something that is not yellow and cold. It is actually cold and pink and I played pickleball. So the midlife crisis is officially set in. (laughs) Um, One other thing I want to talk about before we take a quick break and roll in our guest is uh, I spent a couple of hours today while I was doing some editing watching the television in the background. I picked up on the TST tournament. Oh, really? Yes. It's on Peacock. So yeah. So you can kind of watch it at any time throughout the day, and all the replays will be on at night. Okay. Um, 7v7. It's out in carry. Uh, Beasley talked about it. He has a team. Him and uh, Conrad have a team. I mean, a lot of people have a team. Dempsey has a team. Wrexham's team. I watched them play today. There's the uh, ex-women, uh, the pro women, including our own Lauren Lori Chalopny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're all there. <clears throat> It's pretty cool because you see these guys that are like, there are some that are still clearly fit, young, play, they're good. And then you see these guys that are more shaped like us, uh, but are still really good. Um, And everything in between, in fact, Steve Nash.
1: Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's Canadian, right?
0: Uh, I think so. But he was playing on a Spanish team with Seth Fabregas as the coach. Wow. Yeah. Como. Como was the name of the team. And they got beat in the last minute by Wrexham. Wow. It's, it's crazy. You should check it out. Put it on. 7v7. They play two 20-minute halves, uh, and then the game has to end on a goal. So then after the second 20 minutes, if one team's up 3-2, the golden number is 4. So the first team to 4 wins. So oh, the that's team cool. that's up only needs to score 1, and the other team needs to make up the difference. And then at a certain period of time, they actually take players off the field, so it goes from seven v seven to six v six to five v five. The hockey overtime rule. Yeah. yeah, I saw one. I forget which game it was. They got down to four v four, and the field looks huge because there's only oh my four God, guys. That sounds terrible. Check it out. It's. it's I will real...
1: I, I, tomorrow. I will uh, turn on the TST on Peacock while I'm sweating in my unair-conditioned home, waiting for it to be repaired.
0: Right, you've been on a run, man. Maybe maybe it's mindset. Coach Jen. We need Coach Jen. Our guest knows Coach Jen. Remember, I think our house is in a
1: bad mindset. I think we need some counseling for our house.
0: Or gummies. Oh, yeah. Two (laughs) pounds of gummies. Something. Hand them out. What's for dinner tonight, Dad? (laughs) Gummies, kid. That would be awesome. (laughs) Gummies and Taco Bell. Can I come over and watch? Yes. (laughs) From your air conditioned car. All right. I'll do that. Here we go. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring our guest on, and we'll be right back.
2: The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the Arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with mother nature, all at your fingertips, visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the music box chalet. And now back to those guys.
0: And we're back. Zach, uh, the one thing we didn't mention in the intro, who's missing today? I, it was pretty glaringly obvious to most people. I know because it was, it was, it stayed on the rails.
1: <laughs> it was, uh, no F bombs in the first 30 seconds. Nope.
0: No F, no FCC emails coming my way. But I, I think, you know, the energy
1: level was a little lower. Totally. Because Jared's not here.
0: Yeah. I kind of miss him. Uh, you know, I, f- I felt, I felt that. I did. And he's going to listen to this. I mean, he listens to every single one. Oh, I know. Primarily, he might not listen to this one because he likes hearing himself talk. So since he's not on the episode, he <laughs> might not listen to this one. So, Jared, uh, for those of you that are listening, he, he missed out on tonight because him and his wife and uh, his stepson, they've got a new business called On the Rocks Beverage Company. It's a, long story short, it's a mobile party. So if you've got a cul-de-sac or a house, a grad party, wedding... Or you just don't want any people in your house, but you're willing to have drinks <laughs> near your house. Hit us up. They've got this uh, mobile. I mean, it's it's a mobile bar. It's a, it's a full bar. Full bar. True. And I think you can fit something like 47 cases or something like that. So you could have a big party. You would be the hit in your neighborhood. Hit up Jared on the rocks beverage company. Actually, you can find it on social media. Go check it out.
1: Instagram so, page looks nice, by the way. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Not bad.
0: Yeah. All right. Time for our guests. Guest. Excuse me. Um, stoked for this one. Um, this is a throwback. This is my genre. We've got a fellow Gen Xer here. Um, we most certainly uh, stepped on the field opposite one another. Probably, I'm going to guess, at least three times and didn't realize it at the time. Um Had a tremendous youth career, high school, played college ball. And fast forward to now, as I mentioned earlier, he's a NCAA head coach for the SIUE women's program. And I'm going to roll in a little walk-up music for him and see what he he thinks about this. And you can guess it if you like. Here we go. Here we go. Are you feeling it yet? Think about our childhood. Of course, but I got to... (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be we're gonna roll in with a little Billy Squire today. Squire. Our guest today is Mr. Derek Burton. How you doing, Derek? I'm
2: doing great. How are you guys? We're
0: we're good. we're good. We're uh we're looking for a little punch of energy since uh Jared is missing, so uh you bringing the heat today? Oh I mean I'll I'll do my best. <laughs>
1: well the heat I think the heat's bringing things down, it slows things down. It does. It's, uh, you got to
0: back up. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, of man. Of course. My pleasure. You, uh, I, I, I know we've been walking past each other a lot here the last few months. Right. Um, you know, for those listeners, uh, tuning in, uh, Derek's son Keen too is on the, uh, Academy team, City Academy team with our boys. Uh, so we've been marching the sidelines Um, you have, you have a very similar demeanor on the sideline as we do. Um, which would mean that you stand in a corner by yourself (coughs) true, away from turds like us (laughs) and just take it all in, huh?
2: That mostly. Yeah. Uh, but as I get to know people like you guys, then I realize, you know, these are people I can stand next to during a game. Uh, I mostly don't, say much, unless maybe my wife's, you know, unless Jackie's next to me, then maybe, uh, definitely not about anyone else, but you know, sure. Our own son, of course, critiquing become, uh, you know, comes natural for a parent.
0: Now you, you have one or do you have,
2: uh... uh, we have an older daughter. She's just okay. finished her freshman year at, at SIUE, Fiona. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. So you're, you're knee deep in it. And yeah. as I mentioned earlier, uh, you're the head coach currently at SIUE, Right. Um, 14 years? 15. July
2: 1st will be 15. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, I've been knee deep in it since I've been coaching, just not with my own, you know, not that period of time with my own kids. Yeah. Uh, because I've been in, obviously, the environment of youth soccer uh, for 25 years
0: now. Yeah. Like that. Was it... Um I tell you what, we'll get into that. Let's okay. let's 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 go back to the starting line because there's okay. there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this uh, that we both know right. uh, that have been busting my chops <laughs> to get a golden griffin on the Absolutely. air, <laughs> and it only took 53 episodes to get a griffin on. Sorry, it took Jeff.
1: 49 to get a Spartan on so
0: <laughs> yeah I heard I got that too <laughs> um, so it didn't take that long to get a grand. we've had a blue boy. jay
1: on since day one so I don't <laughs> know why he's complaining uh,
0: Tor- we had a Toronto guest on oh jeez Joe <laughs> Carter <laughs> yeah uh, Will-, <laughs> Will Arnett <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that would be a get I mean if we Not get that. Will Arnett that would be a get uh, but I don't think he's a soccer dad um Vianney. Vianney's your alma mater. Yes. Um, and I didn't have to do a lot of research for this at all because um, I was there. I remember those days. I right. remember um, obviously playing against you guys. Um, and, you know, this is post-dispatch every week with the high school updates. Um, let's just get straight to the run. Okay. Um, probably the most, um, arguably the most iconic run in high school soccer history in the nation. Um Sixty-four games, is that what it was? Yeah. So I, it that's it started
2: my senior year, and then continued after that. So kind of lost track of numbers, but then some of my best friends were in the class below me. Or, yeah. You know, coming in after me. So I was at college, and I think I told you before, my my sister in law Terry would send me the weeks worth of sports pages every every Saturday. So I'd get them the following week at college and just rifle through everything and just see. What was going on and then you know became a, a bigger and bigger story as the season went on um they definitely carried it on in a big big way
0: yeah that i mean it's it's insane i mean basically catch everybody up here that run was from 90 through 90 or late 91. ninety. 91, 91. fall 91
2: yep because yeah. i graduated spring of 92 so it would
0: have been that fall of 91 yeah we started you started that, and then yep. the following year kept on winning up until '64, and that that was two years back to back state titles. Or yes. was that three? Two, two
2: back to back. I don't. They didn't win in that third yeah. year. I don't believe.
0: Yeah, so the
1: ending of that streak was the championship game.
0: Uh, I think it was actually earlier know. in the season. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, probably against Granite City.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> I do know who we no. lost to the la- the first game. Uh, my senior year, we lost to CBC in the CBC tournament and I don't know when it is now, but then it was like second or third, like really early in the season. Yeah. And we lost CBC in their tournament and then didn't lose after that.
0: Yeah. It so was the CBC play. tournament was always like a warm up tournament right. for four to six teams. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the usual. So I think it was just
2: four whenever, at least in my time, I
0: think. So four. Salud, Smet, CBC, I believe so. Biani. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Talk about your coach because we've had on the show. We've had Coach Mickler from CBC. We've yep. had Baker from Granite. Uh, you also uh, played under the tutelage of yet another North County legend in Villa. Yep. Um, paint a picture. You know, in, in the late '80s, early '90s. You know, what was Villa like as a coach? Um, you know, in balancing both the team and the talent and the competition. Right. Well, so in my time there the
2: The talent level was just incredible. Looking back on it, I mean, you knew it then. Like, there's all these guys. Like, you come in as a freshman, and you're thinking, "Well, I don't know when I'm ever going to play varsity." Um, We had, uh, you know, at least a dozen guys in my class alone that went on to play Division One soccer, and in some cases, uh, minor league baseball and draft. Two, two that went on to get drafted. Um, Just a ton of athletes in my class, and only two people, I believe it was only two in my class, even played varsity before they were juniors. Yeah, um, And so it was, it was literally that deep of a team uh, in my whole time there. Um, so, you, you know, looking at Coach Villa, I mean, he, I, I believe he knew what he had. He had an idea at least. Um, so, you know, he, he had a, a way that he wanted us to play and, if you didn't play that way then you know you were going to struggle to get on the field Um, and everyone knew it was pretty high looking back on it it was pretty high pressure situation um, knowing that you have very little wiggle room for you know a bad performance yeah whether it's in practice or in a game definitely in a game but even in practice um, because practices a lot of our practices if we went full field they were harder than most games that we played Yeah. If I'm being honest, you know, um, just because there's talent all over the field at every, literally every position. Um,
0: yeah, we, we, I've, I've, I've told the story a number of times, um, but in reference to what you're discussing, you know, Coach Baker uh, pregame, he, he was he was more of a basketball coach than he was a soccer coach when it came to pregame and prep. There was always a whiteboard. There was always X's and O's. And there was always the upper right corner of the board that would have usually one minimum of one, maybe two, no more than three names on the board. Like this is who we're going to mark. Here's this is what we need to do, who we need to shut down. And I remember in those years playing you guys. I think the number was up to like five or six kids. <laughs> so, right. And at one point somebody's like, "Well, why don't you just circle them all, coach?" Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you you were on the roll. Because I, I jotted down some of the names just to remind myself. You had Mercurio, mm-hmm. you had Palete, you had Climac, you had Yenzer, uh, and of course your illustrious goalie Halsey that right. was running through the pipes. Oh, yeah, I forgot too. about him. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it really was kind of a who's who, um, because not only were these guys. Able to uh, clip and connect on the field, but it, like you pointed out, these were multi-sport athletes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so talk a little bit about Viani at the time, and kind of your your two cents now as a you know a high level uh, collegiate coach. When you look at athletes and you look at soccer athletes, standout soccer athletes, uh, what's your opinion on? Uh, the role that other sports play or, you know, a family deciding whether or not to go multi-sport or to hyper-focus.
2: Right. You, you guys have been talking about it quite a bit lately on the episodes, which I think is a really good thing, especially for parents. But um, it, it definitely, I think, from a coach's perspective, evaluating players as they're sophomores, juniors, in high schools and later, you can th- – there are definitely tangible things that come out on the field just the way body control – uh, certain movements, um, how they in- anticipate play, uh, you know, and in- in-game scenarios and, um, you know, and every sport is officiated a little bit different too. And I think that's one of the things that people don't necessarily think of quite often is uh, the emotion of soccer and how it's mostly free flowing, right? There's pauses, but not many stops, true stops. Um, and, that's different than almost any other sport as well. Right. Um, so, so the positives, I think, are definitely there. Um, and I think it, it may have been Pat Noonan that, that said it, I think, maybe uh, most clearly, and that is it really comes down to the, the kid um, and uh, the environment that they're in and obviously what the parents want to, to, to manage and deal with, for lack of a better term. Um, but the positives are definitely there in terms of translating to later in life if you're going to specialize in something or when you do specialize in something. or right. uh, the, the positives are, are certainly there in a lot of ways, and for me that's tangible because obviously we're doing a lot of evaluating and watching of players, um, and most of the time you can tell you know, who plays another sport or played it for a while. Everyone plays a few sports when they're six, well, seven, eight. But. That, was,
0: that was really going to be my follow-up question. Specifically, you know, for, for those that are listening, you know, if if, uh, if you're a young female player or a parent of a daughter that is a, quote, high-level soccer player, like if, if they were to try to get on your radar when it comes to these other sports uh, or really player characteristics, what are some of those things that you personally look for Uh, in kind of evaluating uh, player style or character, you know, in kind of parallel to some of the other conversations that you've heard, where like a Kevin Kalish talks about, I'm looking for a competitor. Show me that kid that's a competitor. What do you look for in those sophomore, junior years that's the intangible that's above and beyond the soccer skills?
2: Right. I mean, competition, I think Lori said it too in her episode. I mean, that just cannot be uh, replaced. Um, because when it comes down to it, at our level, playing a divisional level, um, sometimes it just comes down to competition. It's not about tactics or technical ability. I mean, it is, but it, maybe certain games are just about who wants it and who can can kind of break through the the mental barriers of when it becomes hard. It's it's not always easy. Um, so so kids that show in whatever way that you can see that in a game or a training. Um, you know the ability to do the, the tough things on the field. Um, I think those are the ones that, that's, that stick out. Also, the other thing to me um, is genuine vocal ability mm. uh, slash leadership. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it long enough, and you can see or you can hear uh, when kids are talking because they know that they're supposed to and because that's something that coaches will look for. But what are they saying? How are they saying it? When are they saying it? Uh, The ability for true potential leadership as they get into college, that's something that I try to pick out um, because those are the kids that usually will have a little bit higher of a level of maturity by the time they get to college. And it could, obviously there's a a million factors that could go into why they're that way. Uh, You know, family life, whatever, extracurriculars, other sports, those kinds of things. Um, And that usually will give you a good, at least me, in my opinion, gives me a good idea of the kind of athlete that I want uh, when they get to this level. Because when they're in college, nothing, I I tell my son that all the time, nothing, uh, if you're trying to do anything at a high level, nothing is going to be easy. Um, And it's not a straight road anywhere. Right. No one has a straight road to any kind of high level success. There's always bumps in the road.
1: Yeah, and we we talked about that on our show with the Camo X folks, just that that nonlinear path. But I was going to ask you, Derek, about just kind of that you you talked about the table stakes of the the technical side. Right. I mean, you're not going to look at a kid who's not technically able to do basic soccer skills on the pitch my question and i've been meaning to ask this of a college coach and i'm so glad you're sitting right next to me as i (laughs) thought about this
0: you're in luck zach (laughs) so (laughs) thankful
1: um on the recruiting trail and we've talked to a lot of coaches on and off the show about their process and about how they identify where they're going to invest their time and their money for you guys now is, is the, it's, it's shifted probably less so for, for the girls it has for the boys. And you can correct me for that, but you know, in St. Louis area specifically because of city, are you still kind of going to the same watering holes for finding the talent? Or are you also listening for people that, you know, send you a, a video or send you a, a, a note saying, Hey, I know we're out in the middle of Nebraska. There is no high level ECNL team. There's no Academy, but, our daughter is a stud. You should come out here. I just want to hear a little bit about that side of it, because I think it's relevant for not just the girls, uh, parents that are listening, but I think the boys' side as well, just understanding that just because you might be in somewhat of a, a an Oasis or, or uh, um, you know, an area that's not covered by an MLS Academy or an EP or ECNL or, 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 you know, whatever those, those might be just kind of walk us through that process a little bit.
2: Right. Uh, I, I realized a long time ago, I, I can't afford not to have my ears and eyes open to everywhere, basically. Um, And it's paid off in huge, huge ways in my time at SIUE. Some of our best players that I've had, some of them that are local players, did not play for the top team. One of them specifically... Uh, Emily Grall was from Washington, Missouri. Uh, she, Go Blue Jays! Yep. See, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Listen, Damn, she she was on at the time. She was on St. Louis Scott Gallagher's seventh team. That's how many they had in one age group. And a friend of mine accidentally took over coaching her team like midseason and said, "Hey, you gotta you gotta see this player." She played four sports in high school. She played basketball, she swam, she ran track, and she played soccer which is almost impossible, but she did those for four years. She didn't, she could have, but didn't want to make the jump up
0: and and specialize. And she walked uphill three miles each way to school in Washington, right? I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Every
2: day. The the point is, um, you know, I'm always, I think any good coach, especially if you're in the same place for a long time, you're trying to diversify a bit where you're looking um, so our bread and butter will always be within an hour of our campus. It would be ludicrous of me not to focus. Sure. There's so many players. Um,
1: that was Kalish's area. comment as well. You yeah. know, the, the
0: yeah. I mean, he, he. I think he wants a core. He would like it to be a core yeah. plus one. Right. You know. You know, from a theoretical standpoint, I mean, inevitably Kalish, um, you know, with with some of the stakes, he's going to go out of market. Sure. Um, but,
2: and you will too, I mean, right, absolutely. And but you're starting, yeah. I mean, 70% of my yeah. team is from within an hour, but yeah. I have Chicago girls, uh, Kansas city. Oddly enough, I do have two players from Nebraska. They do have a, they do have an ECNL team there, so I know. it's not. A, it's not a, um, but I do, I do have two players in Western there. Nebraska, though. No, well, okay. I don't know. Is Omaha Western? No,
0: <laughs> no, actually, no. Omaha is Western. <laughs> okay. Nebraska. O- Omaha is a suburb of Iowa. Right. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh,
1: follow up to that is you know you talked about Emily from from Washington, mm-hmm. you know seventh team Gallagher uh, girl, and what other examples where <laughs> like I think this is this is so indicative of the kind of conversations we have with some of the parents that their kids are in the top level, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's inevitable that our kids are going to be D1 or right. whatever. And then you talk about this girl who probably didn't have illusions at all of playing D1. Um, and now, and I mean, she, you lit up, at the you know when you mentioned her name because she obviously had an impact on your team it, so you
0: is she a current player or no. no
2: she graduated a few years ago uh and i can't remember the the actual year but she's now a, a pa physician's assistant um in washington um what's her last name again grawl well grawl. that's that's her maiden name sorry we we'll, we'll, well yeah I'll will will send her this episode. Yeah, we got to give her a shout honored. out. Uh, uh, no, but she she knew that she wanted to uh, to play Division One soccer. Didn't quite know if it was possible necessarily, um, but knew that she wanted to try. And I'm not going to name the schools, but any other the other schools that she visited that were Division One didn't offer her scholarship, um, and she just went on to. Be three-time All-Conference. She won two conference championships with us. She was on the field when we beat Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament. Um, she's our all-time leader in appearances and, and, and games started.
0: So she's kind of like your Rudy. No, she's not <laughs> because she played. That's right. That's right. I, we're just poking on Ugh. Zach. Yeah, Jared's not here, so we have. Well, to- I know, and it's still a dumb <laughs> reference. Um,
1: so talk about that because you know one thing that. Uh, I'm going to just assume that a lot of people don't know the landscape of the D one women's programs, especially in the conference that SIU is in. You guys have had a very successful run and I want you to gloat just a little bit. You can just give the facts or you can color them. But I mean, give your team some cred on what you've accomplished within your conference uh, over the last couple of years and kind of what, what those, those other players, you know, like the Emily Grahls of the world have, ha- you know, have done for, for your
2: team? Right. Um, so so I've been there now. It'll be 15 years in July. So my first four years at SAUE were when we were transitioning from Division Two to Division One. In those four years, there's no possibility for postseason play. So you play your season and that's it. Uh, that's the NCAA rules, basically. Um, so that four years was really... Uh, just laying the foundation essentially essentially so 2012 was our first year of postseason eligibility playing in the Ohio Valley Conference OVC and so we got better each year in terms of the postseason we won the conference tournament and we won the the conference regular season and uh, championship game of the conference tournament in 2014 did the same thing in 2016 and then we also did it in 2020, 2021, and 2022. So in those, in the last 10 years, we've won the conference championship five times. That's like the stats of it, basically.
0: So the decent run. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's do, do, you, do you attribute it to kind of a combination of, <clears throat> you know, talking about the backyard, you're going to pull it from within an hour from here? Um, you obviously played at a high level. You, you've you had tremendous coaches, both uh, high school and collegiate level as well. Um, is it one of those things that you, you are just leaning into more of uh, the St. Louis style? Do you have your own style? Um, do you feel a little bit blessed that you're able to recruit from the three one four six one eight? 618
2: um, I absolutely feel blessed for our location. Um, I'm also really fortunate that I... Really love the university and Mm -hmm. and living where we moved when we moved here from Iowa, Um, and so just in total, it's just been all the things coming together for someone on a professional and personal level. uh, It's just been amazing. But I think the I would attribute our uh, the wins that that part of the success uh, to me more kind of realizing, one, it's really about the people that you have in your program. Obviously, you want the best players that you can possibly have. Right. We look for the best players. We want the best players. But we also want the best people that fit um, what I've come to realize makes us successful. It doesn't guarantee that we're going to win the championship again this fall, but I I would be willing to bet my mortgage that we'll be in the hunt because just because of the people that we have, yeah. meaning our players and our coaches. Um, so once I realized that, and I was told that, you know, it takes, sometimes you get advice from, from people or whatever, it takes a little time to absorb. <laughs> um, but once I realized that really it's, it's the quality of the athlete that we're recruiting, um, in addition to their ability that really makes a difference. It's the right mindset, yeah. the right personality that makes all the difference. in the And world. I would imagine if, if,
1: if you were given the choice, you've got 20 high-quality, top-of-their-team athletes, not the greatest personalities, or 20 good athletes, leaders, and strong personalities, it sounds like you're more likely to go of a, a mix, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, going I, to I work every right. day with people you don't like makes it difficult. Right. So I'd imagine... On the field, the relationships between the players is also important, too.
2: Absolutely. I, so having shitheads on your team is going to be great. <laughs> right.
0: In your professional opinion. In my professional
2: opinion, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things recruits and their parents and stuff will will ask us, you know, in the recruiting process. I'm really looking for a family atmosphere or, you know, an atmosphere a team that I can uh, fairly feel really comfortable in. And uh, because, you know, most kids are coming up, they've played for their same, with their same friends for eight ten years or whatever. Right. So they want that. And that's hard to find. And, you know, I can say whatever to, to sell. I don't like that word because I don't think I'm selling, but my, my point is I want them to come on campus and we have a recruit on a visit. I want them to be around our team as much as possible because that's the only way that they can Really get a r- actual feel for what yeah. the people and their personalities and and just the culture of. You our
1: heard team. that from Pat Noonan. I mean, he talked about yeah. Iggy and he talked about his visit to Indiana over the other schools and how he felt so welcomed and. Well, it was
0: also the you know, uh, family. Well, it was family, news that it was the culture of kind of the responsibility within the locker room, the expectation, the care accountability. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, I, what, I was, what I was just kind of thinking about, uh, and you know, question to you, um, kind of staying in the same world here, really more of an opinion, because this is a, the consummate debate, uh, you know, within a bunch of uh, soccer parent circles, the the high school versus academy or high school versus club, uh, because on the female side, uh, the women's side of the game, ECNL for the most part is at the top of the pile but you're starting to see kind of the uh introduction of year-round uh academies and clubs basically uh eliminating or restricting the high school access uh the boys side you you've watched that play out over the last 10 years in particular you know really accelerated the last 10 years didn't exist in our time and really up until almost 2010 roughly um what's your two cents on that you know having you know, growing up the way that you did, playing on you know the the Viani teams that you played on, and those experiences, and seeing the multi-sport athletes, and all those things on the boys' side, knowing now that you know, for example, our boys are are, are in that camp that have right. to make those decisions. As a women's head D one soccer coach, looking at what that potential effect might have on those juniors and seniors in particular, um, what's your th- what's your thoughts on the high school playing versus academy training right I, I mean I th- I think one the, the realization I think people have said it in
2: past episodes that it's it's just a different time unfortunately it, like thinking about our time and my time specifically my experience at Viani made me who I was as a player and has influenced now looking back on it realizing it's influenced me as a coach and as a person but um, so to think that you know, there's so many kids that are not getting an alternate experience to go along with what may be the greatest experience that they're having with academies or year round Mm -hmm. in whatever sport. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I probably, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, I just hate that they're losing out on the possibility of that experience. Um, but you know there are some people who are just dead set against, yeah. um, or or have have such a negative outlook towards who they would be playing for, or what high school soccer looks like at their school specifically. Um, and I know there's obviously still plenty of great coaches and great high school programs out there. Um, it, it's just kind of a bummer to me, honestly, that it has to be that way. Coming from a, a Coaching professionals' perspective, I do get why that evolution has come about. Um, you know, because we're playing catch up with the rest of the world in a lot of ways, and so it kind of comes from the top down that way. Um, so,
1: yeah, I mean, the, the high school experience for sports is a purely American experience. Yeah, right. It
0: is, but it, but it's taken. I mean, historically, across the majors, especially. <clears throat> Excuse me guys. Uh it's it's played such a role in uh community culture, specifically small rural cultures, uh more so than metropolitan communities. Uh you know the the prover- proverbial Friday night lights on the football front or Friday night indoor basketball game, you know, in you know in the middle of winter, you know, and in 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 our days, you know when you had uh you know the cbc tournament tournament champions well you you know or you roll over to Slough high you know in those days and there's thousands of kids and fans and family it's just a different experience yeah we
1: didn't experience that so much at washington
0: well that would have been the full population of the town
1: no Uh, no no friday night lights was definitely a thing basketball is definitely a thing I think there are more people at (laughs) academy games. (laughs) 3v3 basketball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know there was a (laughs) (laughs) 3v3. No, I mean, I just, I I think about that, you know, and and it's because you lived it firsthand, you know, so I'm just curious, you know, would you like to see the women's side learn from the men's side? Um, You know, because big part of the problem, in my opinion, is, too many kids are considered academy, uh, and eliminating the the, the 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 need to grow. Right. You know, do you do you see that coming down yeah. the pipe yourself?
2: I I kind of like how on the girl side with the E C N L specifically, I know some G A teams are doing it, even local ones, are offering a spring option for like a composite team, right? I like that more because at least that gives them an option. Uh, you know, if if the coaches and the, the club are doing it properly, they're not putting undue pressure on kids saying, well, if you play high school, then you're not going to make this top team come next fall unless right. you participate in the spring and forego high school. Hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully they're not doing that um, because at least then they have options. Um, on the boys' side, obviously it's just restricted.
1: Well, and, and our women have had – a little bit more success right. yeah. internationally right. <laughs> than the men. We've talked about that on that well, show, the show. What are you trying well. to say there, Zach? Well <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we
0: gonna get into pay debate here? No, uh, I'm
1: just Derek, you want to get into pay debate or no. is this something you like to do? How avoid? many World Cups do the women have on the US side compared to men? Look, the men are gonna say how is many more sponsors do they have? You
0: know, I mean yeah. it's it's a, it's it's a circular it's a waste of a conversation. <sighs> I know. We need more beer. We do. Herb. That's you hear the yeah. uh, you hear the rolling? Here? I hear it. I hear Playing a uh, little U two here, ninety one. Yep, Octune baby. Octune baby, graduation, right? Yep.
1: Like that. Sapling. Did you know Hila. why? Uh, I saw them here.
0: Yes, I, I was at that show. Yeah. The, we I, we another, were probably on the field we were at the same on. time.
1: <laughs> you know why Irish people never put more than two hundred and thirty nine beans in their chili? C- can't wait. Is any more it'd be too fardy?
0: Too farty? <laughs> too farty, people. We'll be right back. Too farty. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the Chief Flavor Officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In podcast. Now, back to those old guys. We're back. A little refill. We all changed. <laughs> we did. I take back everything I said at the intro. I am never drinking a cold yellow, pink, pink <laughs> thing again. <laughs>
1: it's hard to drink sours fast.
0: It's hard to drink them, period. Nah. <laughs> I just, I, you know what? If they would have given me like six ounces of it, that would have been perfect. Did you also know that if you want to sing like
1: Eddie Vedder, all you have to do is keep your teeth clenched? Let me try, let me try it. Forty. <laughs>
0: Same. <laughs> Doesn't work that well. Uh, rolling us back in here with another uh, turn of the last decade in the previous century band. <laughs> the Pearl Jam, Black. Uh, playing this on purpose um, kind of is a little bit of a honor thank you to my guest and my my guest uh brother that recently passed away uh derek burton your brother was jeff burton that's right from 1057 the point fame that's right and that song right there is
2: my number one song from my favorite band by the way just it, out of pure Quindy. wow
0: so my
2: version's my favorite but
0: yeah yeah, we probably were in the same room whenever they played that live first probably. time in St. Louis. It probably. would have been Lollapalooza yeah. 3. I have the shirt still. I have the ticket stub. And my brother gave me the tickets. Eh? Actually, I think <laughs> Keller might have the shirt. Yeah, no, I, wa- I wanted to play that song too. It's so. F- See, this is the way the, the universe typically works, yep. right? Get good people in the room, give them good beers, thanks to Urban Chestnut, except for that pink thing. No, that was <laughs> actually, John, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, uh, Pearl Jam to me, you know, it, in those days, uh, Nevermind was first. When Nevermind came out, that just completely changed everything. Sure. Uh, the second album that changed it even more was Pearl Jam 10. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember in those days, uh, the early days of The Point kind of coming to fruition that would have been near my senior year, uh, Wes Aaron all the early names and your brother was in the mix right. from the get-go yep he sure was so um just just talk about him for a second you know to you know he because uh, he he was on the airwaves for a long time
2: long time yeah uh it's funny you mes- that you mentioned less aaron uh i have a coffee mug that Les got for me from uh newcastle stadium in newcastle because I oh, was wow. a huge fan in college um, I still have that. It's in my office. I use it every single day. And Jeff got that for me from Les when he went over there. Um, it's funny that you met, that you met, that you mentioned him. Um, but no, uh, obviously. Um, so I'm one of four boys, and uh, Jeff was Jeff is the youngest of the older three. They're all three older than me. Um, and I
0: believe you described yourself the other day as
2: the oops. I'd probably be fair to say (laughs) they're all about 16 months apart. So they're all seven years younger than you. they were Irish
0: twins and you were the, the German off. Yeah. Something. (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
2: Um, no, Jeff was obviously a huge influence on me for, for a lot of things, music being one of them. Um, and our dad was a huge music lover of all kinds as well. So he influenced us all, um, and passed that down. But, me being as close as i was to jeff it allowed uh, a lot of things to transpire in terms of his place just in radio in the area um and as a college kid at that mm-hmm. time uh it couldn't have been any more perfect uh you name a band that was even semi um you know relevant in the 90s i saw him and it was because yeah. he got me tickets and it was not that oh. there was a ton of of uh Venues at the time, but anything at Mississippi Nights or then Riverport Amphitheater,
0: um, so, even
2: some at the arena. Like, <laughs> <wow>.
0: <laughs> so let's let, let, let's let's go down this path Kay. because we obviously we're we're within a year right. of one another. Uh, Mississippi Nights during those years, uh, were you at the Matthew Sweet concerts? I I was at one for sure. How about the how about the summer '93 flood with uh, Blind Melon? Yes, you were there. Yes, I was there. Yep you remember um, that that was a surprise show
2: yes uh, I, one of the things uh, i don't i can't get too detailed but one there's of the a things, statute of limitations of the things things on this thing <laughs> that, that happened on the way there on 270 because the traffic was so bad that people were pulling over like to use the restroom on the side of the road and all those kinds of things um that was an, an eventful entire day for my group of friends <laughs> uh, so, yes, I definitely remember. You,
0: do you remember that show, though? Because uh, you, if you recall, I'll never forget it because they had the back doors open behind the stage. And if you remember, the river was, flo- it was 93. It was yeah. flood. Yep. It was all the way up to the alley. Right. It was like a handful of feet below the back door. Yep. And they turned the lights on and Tones of Home started playing because it was one of those surprise shows. You didn't know who it was going to be until they yep. came out. Yep. Well, you guys probably knew. I don't Know if I did or not, I don't remember. I just remember that. And what was Jeff good at keeping the secrets, or did he like surprise sometimes you? He didn't
2: know. I mean, you know, it would he would just do whatever I could. It, you have to remember, like, obviously, 93, it wasn't I couldn't text them and be like, Hey, who is, like it <laughs> yeah. was. The, I had to get in touch with them on the phone. And if I was coming, if it was a summer, that was be a little bit different. But if it was at college, which was in Arkansas, it was I either got him on the phone or I would show, literally show up to his apartment, to see if I could find him. Or sometimes I would go to the point and just like show up and then be like, hey, dude, what's up? Like he hadn't <laughs> seen me for three months. Uh, so it was way different in terms of like, uh, and that added probably to some of the, uh, I don't know, the, the magical part of the of pageantry.
0: The of the... Absolutely. Because it was just by happenstance, like sometimes. <clears throat> so was he kind of a... Was he kind of a militant older brother when it came to music? Was he, you know, w- given his clear passion for uh, for music, for new music, alternative music, and, you know, cutting-edge music, was he one of those brothers that would, like, sit you down when you were, like, eight and say, listen to this, no. you know, and nope. spin the records, or no, how'd that play out? No, all of my, and I think that comes
2: from my dad as well. So, like, my my uh, my musical taste is super wide. I, I pretty much... There are songs and artists in every genre, outside of probably country music, that I, that I really enjoy, including jazz and blues um, and all kinds of rock. Um, and so we all had that our whole life, because that's what my dad would play B.B. King or the Rolling Stones or George Carlin or um, <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, Foghat, Kiss, it doesn't matter, whatever it was. Um, And so we were kind of all just like that. And my brother, Jeff, when he would find something new that he would like, he would say, hey, I really like this. Check it out. And if I liked it, I liked it. If not, no, you know, whatever. Um, So, you know, I was really fortunate because he knew, especially once I got into college in the later years of college, he knew what I really, really liked. And he would make sure that I had tickets to things or, you know, they get back then CDs. Sure. Get all kinds of copy. Like anytime I came home, he would have a yeah. shoebox of all these CDs. Yeah, just they're all labeled
0: not for resale. Yes, and they promo have, only. And they have a hole drilled in them,
2: so yep. they can't resell them. Yep. Um, and the coolest thing was, uh, a lot of times there was a certain period where he was working afternoons and sometimes evenings, and I would call him before I left Arkansas. It's like a six-hour drive. Yeah, and I would usually be with someone, not by myself. And he would be on the air, and he would wait till he knew we were in the listening area, and then he would play a, a song for me and say, "This for my brother coming home." Like, oh, that's so cool. yeah, it was really cool. It was usually either Pearl Jam or Tool, something like that. So,
0: so you were dating, so you would bring home like you test drive the car. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. <laughs> and you'd be like, "Watch this! I'm going to predict this song, and that's my right. brother's going to shout me that's out." That's right. I, that's actually happened a couple <laughs>
2: times with my team. Uh, it was a while ago. He said things about like my team on the air when I had them like yeah. in, in a in the bus and we turn it on or you know stuff like that. So. Well, I mean, he
0: had he, I mean he had such a tremendous career at, at clearly the most cutting edge radio station here. Right. Um, talk 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 about the you know some crazy experience or the best experience you know a particular band a particular show you and him you know going back because. You know, we I, I come from a musical family as well. My parents were extremely eclectic. My brother, both my brothers played. Um, you know, so v- similar. Neither one of them were on the radio, but I have memories of shows with them that are really, really special. What's What's yours? What's the one show that's you and him? One of them that I go to most
2: memory wise is the band live uh, when they were playing. At Ed Riverport. Kowalczyk. Yep and that was one of his at the time it was his favorite band that uh he developed a relationship with the guys in blue october later Mm -hmm. uh many years later and became really good friends with justin their their lead singer so that became his number one band but live would would have been that fit that description for a long time so i don't remember what year it was i do have the ticket but uh he had front it was at riverport and uh he had the first row center mic. So we literally sat in front of Ed while he wailed the entire time.
0: Um, and that was amazing. So that w- that would have been uh, mm-hmm. Lightning Crash's album mm-hmm. because they were playing Riverport. Because the previous album, I think it was called Mental Jewelry, Mental Jewry, Yep. was Mississippi Nights.
2: Yep. Well, and also, sorry to add to, to the live perspective, but prior to Jeff coming to St. Louis to work at The Point, The point had just started and was going for a little bit before he got here. Uh, He was working in Springfield, Missouri at a a station called The Planet. Uh, And I went and visited me and a couple friends of mine went and visited him there, hang out. And they were sponsoring a show and it was live. Um, And I was at a place the size of this room that we're in. Um, and he introduced me to them and that was, he had seen them one other time. They had been through Springfield at some point, like the year before, or maybe even just months before he's like, Oh, these guys are really good. And he gave me again, the obligatory, not for resale CD of mental (laughs) jewelry, which I still have. Uh, he gave me like five of them and my friends. And so, you know, the friends that were with me. Um, so I actually saw them in a place like this, you know, this size before I you know and so my appreciation for them grew and i would have you know i would have known who they were later because they became commercially successful but i wouldn't have had the level of appreciation probably that i do and did have you know because of him and i you know there are other bands and artists like that um you know that i would attribute to him opening my
0: eyes to for sure that's awesome well let's 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 shift it back um We'll stick with family still, but we're going to get back into the game and we'll go the other direction. Your, your, your offspring, <laughs> Keen. Mm-hmm. And the, now, now I want you to talk a little bit about the hat of soccer dad. Uh, it's much different being a player, playing in college, and then moving through your career. Now you're a coach at, you know, at the highest level with the women's program. How, how do you How do you differentiate when it comes to keen and you know kind of what uh, his particular journey through this process and you know the, the, the academy and the just the, 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 the process. How do you juggle that and you know what is what is the advice that you have for parents listening that you know may or may not have in a child, uh, you know, thriving or struggling and in, and in, in going through this, how do you handle it? Um, because you've got a unique uh set of eyeballs on the right. whole process, yeah.
2: I would, I would agree with that. That part, um, I, I think I, my wife and I talk about always just wanting to uh show as much support as as possible, always like from the outset, like so even though I know obviously, you know, he, I think that would be an interesting question for him as well, knowing that I'm have been doing what I've been doing for 25 years. So um, I know from a soccer perspective uh, that's not what we talk about most. Um, You know, we will hear there like from a, you know, a specific soccer point of view or what he should or should be doing or what he can look for and those kind of things. Of course we do. Uh, But I think at this point in his life, to your point is uh, just the the support and confidence that hopefully we can we can give him um, and just let him know that he that we have his back whatever he's doing and um, and just try to help as parents as opposed to as a coach. Do, you know? So
0: do you go through kind of a um, zen process uh, to manage your uh, coaching brain or you know, uh, you know, potentially trying to lean in to make something a lesson. Do you you really focus on trying to let things be or is there a particular point, maybe the next day or, you know, after dinner in which you actually talk about soccer with him when he goes through this? Yeah,
2: I think, I think the balance is, is key and obviously knowing your child and knowing the situation, whatever that situation is. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a specific game, you know, we can always wait. We can talk about that later. In a lot of cases, there's video we can look at if we want. If he doesn't know what I want to talk about, like, we can bring it up, you know, on video. And, like, I yeah. can refer to something specific. Um, if it's the overall situation, like the ups and downs of being in a, in a really uh, competitive environment, um, then that's more of uh, let's talk about things. Because that's when you, to me... At least for my child, it's when you start talking about like potential emotions and emotional, uh, the, the impact that emotional things can have on a 14, 15 year old kid. Um, you know, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so we try to try to keep it as even keel as possible and um, you know, just be there to listen. I try, it's hard, but I try not to just talk.
0: Uh, um you know um yeah. because I have a lot of things I don't know that what I, that's
2: like right I don't know <laughs> I have a lot of Unless things that I could weird. say I wasn't looking at you on purpose Zach <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I was it,
0: scanning the room yeah, I it it does
2: it's hard because our son in particular is not super uh you know vocal when it comes to expressing his emotion so sometimes we have to figure out how to pull it out of him not that I need emotion but to, to get like true feedback instead of a yes or no answer good um, that's where we have to go yeah, you know? yeah look, well let me <laughs> yeah <right. Good. laughs>
0: well okay I, i'm down to emojis i don't even get words <laughs> <But> yeah <laughs> thumbs up is a lot, a lot of yeah things. i mean we could be face to face i'll ask him a question he'll type it in his phone emoji <laughs> thumbs up i but i want to ask you uh, specifically um, because i mean keen keen is a great kid very very respectful eyeballs you know friendly shake hands fist bumps whatever uh, but he is he is very quiet. Uh, you know, a lot of the the players, the kids that are in our group, you do see kind of a little bit of reserved nature because, frankly, they're puppies. I mean, they are young teenagers. Oh yeah. Speak to advocacy. Um, you know, having a child that is that is that is um, uh, maybe a little bit more reserved. Uh, you know, even Grady Zach for, yeah. for you. Um, talk talk to parents listening as it applies to their child's uh, use or uh, uh, um, um, trying to advocate for themselves. Right. Because at all levels, whether it's academy... Yeah, this or is the question
1: I was going to go to next. Seventh yeah.
0: level classic. Mm-hmm. How important to you knowing what you know is to try and uh, work with young adults uh, to advocate for themselves?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough um, because, kind of to your point, to the emojis is that so often we're deferring to nonverbal communication in some way. So uh, that's part of, you know, I said I could talk forever and ask questions. So sometimes I'll purposefully make him uncomfortable because, you know, at some point you have to break through the wall of feeling insecure about talking to someone. And we try to tell him, you're right. I, I would agree. Like he's a respectful kid and he knows how to speak. So, utilize it just trying to help him grow his confidence and i mean it it has to go again down to knowing your child because um you know if you do if you push too much then you know do they push back or they you know i don't know it's it's about giving them the confidence and showing them support and hopefully they realize well you know mom or dad they're adults they realize uh they see something in me and they know that this is an area that I need to work on and continue to improve because X, Y, or Z, meaning in this case, it's hopefully going to help me in terms of my communication with coaches and teammates moving forward. And, uh, it's a huge, huge factor as, as they continue to grow, obviously not just into adulthood, but in their early, early adulthood before they even get to college and certainly when they get to college because I we have all kinds in that spectrum in my team at the college level some have no problem coming to the office to sit down because <laughs> they have a question or they want to know oh, something oh. or clarification but then there are some that are you know sweating bullets and nearly in tears just to ask about something that's not even maybe even soccer related necessarily um, and it, it just all varies and I, you know kids are different and they, they definitely mature at different, uh, at different rates, and some of them hopefully will, hopefully he'll continue to, to grow in that comfortability to be able to, to communicate with people. Um, we just try the support and the confidence giving. I, to me, there just can't be enough of that, at least for my kid.
1: Yeah, yeah. so on that note, <clears throat> you mentioned your office as a D1 coach you've coached hundreds of women over the last 15 years, 25 years, really. Yep. And when you see an athlete, a kid who is maybe like a Keen or like a Grady or like, you know, a <laughs> most human children right. that don't speak out with adults, do you seek them out a little bit and kind of, bring them in and put them into a comfortable environment so they do feel more willing and able. And absolutely do you, do you see that much, you know, that maturation process. Absolutely you, you try. You, you
2: Again, I'll, I'll, it's like being a dead horse, but I'll go back to having the people, my program and my team specifically, uh, the, the type of young women that are in my team are remarkable. And so I know that at some point those players are going to help engender that in some of the younger 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 kids that come through and some of my upperclassmen who have no problem speaking talking coming to me or an assistant coach or approaching a subject with the rest of the team were that way two and three years ago and so it can happen and sometimes uh, it just happens even a little bit later maybe even before they get you know uh, uh, after they get into a college program so Everyone's a little bit different. And I think if you, if you take the time to try to understand someone's personality, it makes all the difference in the Let world. Let me
1: thing. ask a qualifying question, though. This is going to sound weird. Have you ever had a really strong athlete that was never able to do that? Never comfortable with that verbal communication? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I think we, we, we push on that a lot. Mm-hmm especially in our society, that you've got to be able to advocate for yourself. you got to be able to talk to people. There are some people that just flat out can't or won't do it. And I, I, I want people out who, and our listeners to hear that if your kid is that way or you're that yeah, way, they're not
2: broken. They're not broken. No. It's just
1: like you said, it depends on the kid. And yeah. I think we think there's a pattern. And you said it earlier, Derek, that I think was so, spot on and we've heard it so many times there's not a linear path there's also not a cookie cutter athlete Right.
0: no nope. so I would be remiss if I didn't bring up and ask your opinion of a one uh, Miss Dutko uh, past pass player correct she At this just point?
2: graduated yeah a couple weeks ago
0: so the Ducos are obviously Granite City royalty mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my best friend my roommate in college uh David Kirksey, mm-hmm. who's from Collinsville, I I got over that. He married a Duco. Oh, okay, uh, But uh, Tammy, his wife, her okay. niece was Emma. Emma. Yep. She a hammer like her brother?
2: Absolutely. Yep. Uh, she's she's top five for me in terms of my all time favorite players that I've F- oh, coached really? in twenty five years. Hundred percent. Yep. She would never admit it. I I she would. She would tell me to shut up if I said that to her face. That's just
0: the way she is, <laughs> she try and punch you because that's what her brother would do. Maybe her dad actually. Yeah. Maybe now,
2: now that she's graduated, maybe
0: no. No, that's great. So, what you know, they're going to listen. What did what did you like about her as a player? Like you talked earlier about the, the other individual, those four sports, everything else. What was the intangibles that Emma had?
2: Uh, just the understanding of the game well i'll go back to it again it's like beating a dead horse but she's as competitive as i've ever seen um and she had a very good understanding and read of the game at a really young age it's the first time i watched her play she was a freshman uh and had just come back from acl surgery as a freshman and she was playing Jeez. two years up in a friendly the <laughs> illinois side uh ecnl team versus the missouri side ecnl team which is very good team and yeah. they needed some players and they pulled her up um, and she was unbelievable. She may have she's one of the best players in that game playing two years up as a freshman um, and I was like wow I really like this this player um, and then thankfully getting to know them my son playing in Gallagher on the on the you know, on the Illinois side being that facility I would see her see her parents Terry her dad worked with the goalkeepers and Terry worked with a lot of the goalkeepers for the club. Yeah. So I would see, I'd drop Keen off for practice and Terry's out there where, you know, so I'd see him a lot. Um, and then when she got recruitable age, um, I was, I was hell bent on getting her into my, I was, this is, this is a player that we need to have in our program. Um, and, you know, then over between the time when I first saw her and the time that she became a player in our program, just got to know them even more. Um, and my, my intuition was correct she's one of the most competitive uh, players that we've had and she was a two-year captain for us voted by the team because that's just she not a super vocal uh leader but man was she a leader when it came to in games in practice she knows how to get it done she she knew the game super
0: well um and just loved to play and compete that's awesome um the ducos are a good clan absolutely so, there, thank you. Thank you for joining us, man. My this pleasure. This has been fun. This My is, pleasure. I, I love these conversations because it's a perfect Same. blend of where we were, where we are. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? oh, it's, it, that actually sounded a little bit like a soap opera title. <laughs> where we were, where we are. <laughs> Say like too far, farty. <laughs>
1: and some violins in the background.
0: All right. I'm going to roll us out here. I know you know this one. Absolutely live. I remember, you remember back in the day 120 minutes. Uh-huh. Right, MTV. Matt Pinfield? Yes. Did you, were you, were you old enough? Nah, you weren't old enough yet. MTV. I remember I was a
1: good little Christian boy as well, so I So you
0: were listening to headbangers ball on Saturday night. <laughs> 120 minutes was on Sunday night.
1: Yeah, my mom took my Green Day album away. So let's just say <laughs> I didn't have a lot of exposure like you guys. Look.
0: Did. I actually support your mother's decision in removing that record from your collection. <laughs> yeah, me too now. <laughs> Uh, we're going to roll out here. Pain Lies on the Riverside. A little live from uh, Mental Jewelry. Derek Burton, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, My pleasure. We'll definitely be seeing you on more sidelines to come. Yes, sir. Um, g- give the uh, SIUE women's team a follow. Check up what they're doing. Uh, season, how you look for next year, by the way.
2: We should be good. Rock I'm on. excited.
0: Zach, thank you for your uh, kind Comradership camaraderie Today Camaradership. What was I, That's not even a word Is nope, it Nope I did enunciate it properly did, Even yeah. though it's not a word
1: Yes <laughs> Syll- Syllables were Understandable But they uh, not John
0: Shine Thank you again For giving us this uh, Lovely barrel room Down here at Urban Chestnut If you ever need a private party Check this place out Hit them up uh, They have pink beers Yellow beers
1: They'll even They'll <laughs> even do a private tour While we're recording
0: Yes <laughs> And we couldn't hear them. <laughs> no. It was awesome. Hey, give us a follow. Give us a re- review. Uh, be on the lookout. We got some more uh, killer guests coming down the pipe here. Uh, stay cool, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.